All right, welcome to the ninth episode of the Olash Pod. Ninth episode, last single digit episode. Maybe a big deal. I don't know. On this episode, I talked to Allison Hayslip, who is an industry professional, is how I'd put it. She's a very successful host and actor. You probably know her from Attack of the Show, American Ninja Warrior. She's been on The Voice. She's done a lot of big stuff. Um, and I really admire her. And that's why I wanted to have her on and talk to her. I feel lucky to have gotten to do that. And so uh, here's our conversation. So tell, I would like to know a little bit about, because I'm sure a lot of people know of you or first saw you on Attack of the Show. So yeah. tell me a little bit about how how did you get that break? <laughs> <laughs> I have such a weird Hollywood story. I was literally discovered in a bar. Like you, you hear those stories growing up where, you know, someone's like walking down the street and they're like, you kid, you should be in the pictures. And I'm like, <laughs> famous it was kind of one of those I was I was bartending I think I lived in LA about maybe three or four years or so um and I had a regular at my bar who uh at the time was an agent and he knew I was an actress and I was you know doing little things here and there and he like looked out for stuff for me and then he came in one day with one of his buddies um and so, you know, I'm like serving them drinks. I'm standing there chatting and, and, and my regular was like, wait a minute, you should, you should know this girl. She plays video games. She's into all that nerd stuff you guys do. <laughs> and it turns out that this guy worked in development at G4 oh. and we had a whole conversation that night. I happened to be uh, wearing a Nintendo remote control charm necklace <laughs> at the time. And he, he pointed that out. And he's like, why are you wearing that? And I was like, well, I've, I've played video games since I was like five. And he's like, but you're a girl. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so after all that, he was like, yeah, you need, you should be on our network. So he got me a meeting with the, uh, the head of talent over there. Uh, and I met with her and chatted, like had like a 45 minute meeting with her where I just talked about like how I went to space camp and <laughs> took philosophy of Tolkien in college and did all this nerdy stuff and that she brought me in a few weeks later for a screen test. And that was literally the first time I had ever seen a teleprompter. Oh, wow. Um, to the point where I walked in the room and saw it and went, oh, that's how that works. <laughs> I had no concept of how they got words on the screen. You know? <laughs> um, and I don't think I was very good. But <laughs> for some reason, they hired me, I think, because I knew what I was talking about. And I was passionate about what I was talking about. Um, and that somehow led to a, a four year deal at G4, which was, you know, some of the greatest four years of my life. That's wild. So you moved to LA to pursue, um, acting and that, yeah. that sort of trade, but did it, I get, I'm guessing you never had any idea that your passions of video gaming would transform yeah. <laughs> into I that. And, and I often tell people that like, when I was growing up in school, my, my biggest fear was getting called on to read out loud in class. Like when teachers would call on you to read a passage. Oh yeah. I hated that. Yeah. I was so scared of screwing something up. <laughs> and then it, it literally became my job to read <laughs> out loud on live television. 
So it, it's, I didn't see this coming from anywhere. <laughs> yeah, that's extremely wild. So you actually, so you went to school for acting, if I'm right? It, the, like, yes, I, I went to Boston College and I have a degree in theater. Oh, cool. But you never wanted to or had any interest in getting into hosting? <laughs> no, I guess I just didn't really know what it was or what yeah. it was. It was just never on my radar, really. Yeah, there's so much lore behind uh, Attack of the Show at this point. Like, it's such a, I feel like it's like a myth. Um, <laughs> what yeah, was it? Funny. Yeah. It's crazy sometimes when I talk about it because I'm like, yeah, you know, when I did this, Oh, a decade ago. Like, I forget how long ago it was because it was such a significant part of my life. Oh, in everyone's life, really. That show was, it was like the first real, like, nerd show, you know, that was just only yeah. for that, I feel like. So what was that I like? Think, it's almost safe to say it's the it was the only real nerd show because everything else just went online after that. Right, like, that's so true. That really existed on television. Yeah, like, that's so true. Yeah. Was it, what was it like? being part of that um, I mean, it was it was absolutely amazing and it was also some of the hardest times of my life because I, I you know I was sort of thrown into the fire over there not really knowing what I was doing and then almost immediately going on live tv and I I just had to like fail upwards almost. oh yeah I can relate to that <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know I, I look back on some of my earlier stuff and I'm like I'm I wasn't good like God wasn't <laughs> for like having the faith in me and 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 putting the time and energy into me because I, I I really learned how to be a host in front of the entire television audience. Oh my gosh! Um, and and it, I those of us who all worked at G Four together, I mean, we're still all very good friends because we often say it feels like we were kind of in war together, <laughs> like we're all battle buddies. Because G Four was a network that um, expected a certain uh, caliber of content but did it with like a quarter of a budget that most television networks did. <laughs> so those of us who worked at the network were, were kind of doing the job of four people. Um, and, and so there were, there were shoots that got really, really hard and, and, you know, were very draining, but it was interesting. I remember once I left the network and I forget, I forget who it was I was working for, but I, I did like a freelance job with some other show, uh, at E3 and my producer was like setting up a shot and I went, wait, why don't we move the shot five feet that way? So we have that in the background instead of like this boring thing in the background. <laughs> and they were like, Oh, that's a really good idea. And it was one of these things that to me seemed so obvious, but I realized it was only because I went through four years of training basically right. at four, and now had that skill to offer elsewhere that people didn't have to do. I know. I feel like that is so, that's what I found so intriguing. I had no idea. Um, and then I did, obviously I did my research and I was like, wow, you, you actually went to school for this kind of thing. So I guess that does offer a lot that like, I would have no idea probably about most of this, this stuff. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think I knew it at the time, the kind of, uh, the kind of training I was getting. Yeah. But I'm very thankful for it. Uh, so what do you think was the difference? You talked about it being kind of like this, uh, I mean, you had to do more than just be uh, like the face of it or the host. Uh, so what what was the difference between being on a show like that and then being on a big network show like The Voice? Uh, uh, catering was definitely... <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, I mean, you know, showing up to work on The Voice, I mean, literally day one, I walked on that set and they brought me to my dressing room, which first off, having my own dressing room was a huge change. And before, <laughs> we just sort of like traded off with the e-hosts and it was like, <laughs> Some days you're on the show and you just didn't get a dressing room. You had to change in the wardrobe area or something like that. Um, so having like my own personal dressing room was a big deal. And then having my dressing room door face Christina Aguilera's. Oh, like wow. that was definitely a huge jump. You know, I'm so used yeah. to showing up every day and being with like Kevin Pereira and Blair Herter. And I love these guys. <laughs> then you show up and Christina freaking Aguilera is across oh, the Oh my God. And you're like, ugh. Um, and it, it was definitely... You know, I, I was definitely the um, the small fish on that show, I guess you could say. You know, we had the four super famous judges and Carson Daly <laughs> and then me. So I definitely felt a, a bit of I mean, it was my own pressure that I was putting on myself. But I was like, I need to I need to perform. I need to hold my end of this show and like do it well and do it with class and with style uh, because I'm the one that everyone's like how did you get here? You know? Yeah, totally. And, and I really felt like I did like by the end of that show, we had all become very close. It was really great working with all those people. Um, and then the show became, I mean, as everyone knows, it became like an overnight success. Yeah. <laughs> Basically NBC was like, thanks for all your hard work. Random girl. We got from G4. We can now afford someone more famous than you. <laughs> <laughs> Lame. That's Dude. Not, yeah. Totally fine. I mean, <laughs> That there's a bit of an ego bruise in that, but honestly, two weeks after I found out I wasn't going back on The Voice was when I booked uh, Battleground, which was a scripted show on Hulu. It was Hulu's first original scripted show. Oh, wow. And that's my favorite project I have ever worked on. And that was just a big sign that's like, you know what, you, you really have to trust the universe a lot because you know, that, that saying like a door closes and a window opens or whatever yeah. like, that really happened for me at that moment. So I was like, I got to trust. I yeah, gotta trust. that really is true. You're like the beginning of all of these new things. Like you start everything. I feel like you have like a, <laughs> for real. <laughs> How many times I talk to people, they're like, wait, you hosted the first three seasons of American Ninja Warrior and now it's <laughs> this huge hit. on Yeah. Like, you don't understand how many shows I've done. I like, know. I pick it off and then it goes on. <laughs> What's what's that movie? Wait, who is it with um, the movie where like the guy realizes that all of his exes marry someone right after? Oh yeah, dude, that's you in this the hosting world. <laughs> I know, I know. I mean, hopefully, hopefully that means my time will come when I continue <laughs> on the super successful show. But uh, but, you yeah. start all of them though. I actually yeah. only watched The Voice at the beginning. I feel yeah. like everyone stopped watching it after a while. Well, I, you know, it's one of those shows I think that people realized, I think the appeal of the show is the judges. Yeah. That's what you tune in for because we haven't had, sadly, there haven't been many people who have won the voice who have gone on to have super successful careers in the music industry. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Yeah. That's weird. I've, I've thought about that for shows like American Idol. It used to be like the objective was actually to make that person that won famous. And now it's like. Well, the objective is just to make money, I think. We don't yeah, really care. Yeah, if, <laughs> we don't care if they're famous afterwards. Um, but so you talked about American Ninja Warrior. I wanted to ask you about that because that show is so good. And <laughs> it, I've, I mean, it's hilarious. But did you ever have any inclination to like try the courses? <laughs> well, I did. I think season two 
I, they had me try the course in Venice and I made it through the, um, uh, oh my gosh, I can't believe I can't remember the name of the obstacles anymore. The, the first <laughs> one where you have to step on the four things to get across. Oh yeah. I have all these things memorized. This was like <laughs> in my brain. And I, I, and I kept telling myself, I'm like, let, just let me make it past that first obstacle and I'll be happy. Just one obstacle. <laughs> I want to make it through without falling in the water. And I did. And then the second obstacle was the, was the log hold where you had to like, you have to wrap your arms and your legs around this giant log. Oh yeah. This ramp. And the, the moment it hit its first bump, I was like, plop. In the <laughs> Not even a prayer. <laughs> At least yeah. it's water. Oh yeah. Of course. <laughs> uh, yeah. That was a great show, but you know, I, I love how huge the show has become and what it has done for like the world of free running and stunts and things like that. Mm -hmm. But I do miss like when I did the show, the finals were in Japan. They were on the actual Ninja warrior course in Japan and, oh, wow. and they don't do that anymore. And oh, I think that's such a loss. Yeah. Cause that's where it really, uh, that's where it originated. Right. Yeah. It was called, yeah. Uh, it was called uh, Sasuke. Oh yeah. That's yeah. a bummer that they don't do it there anymore. I know. I, I loved it. That was always one of my favorite trips. I went to Japan four times for that show. Oh, that's awesome. That was always one of my favorite trips at G4. Man, I've always wanted to go to Japan. Um, so you, are you, a, I, at the beginning of the podcast, you mentioned that you had a Nintendo necklace, was it? Yes. You're a Nintendo, a Nintendo fan? Nintendo oh, girl? yes. I mean, that, that's what me and my brother and my cousins grew up with. Hell yeah. Um, was you know we we went from generation to generation of nintendos i did always like it like there was a girl who lived down the street from me who she had a sega mm -hmm. so <laughs> it was always a little treat to like go over to her house and play sonic oh yeah <laughs> other than that it was that's what we grew up on was was nintendo me too nintendo was it for me as well ocarina of time all time oh. I, mean, um, I still go back to Mario Kart. Oh yeah, available. You know? Mario Kart is oh, but I played it recently. It it hurts your eyes, man. Oh no! The graphics are oh, yeah. straining. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Yeah, we didn't realize it back then. I think that sometimes just when they show footage of like old football games. Oh, I know, right? How does anyone understand what was happening? Right. Yeah. And then it like warps your view of the past. Like you think everything just looked like that in the past. Yeah. Like, like oh, yeah, that's what it looked like back then. What life was. <laughs> yeah. Everything was actually in black and white. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> um. So since you started on um in the nerd culture and that industry, how do you think it's changed? Uh. Well, I think the inclusion of women has been a huge. Uh, a huge benefit mm -hmm. over the last decade, I'd say. Because when I grew up and I was in it, it was always a little weird for a girl to be into this stuff. Yeah. Even though I knew multiple girls who were into it, it was just like it wasn't talked about or something. It was like we were sort of yeah. weird ones. Um, <laughs> and I think that that finally nerd culture has accepted that that women are into this stuff too and that we are here to stay. <laughs> I know, right? It's not yeah. like it's no longer like a like you're quirky. We're liking that. It's just right. like, yeah, obviously people like video games. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I love that about it. And then um, also just the, I guess it's just kind of in, in media, and, and this actually is a good question. Um, 
because you're you do a podcast you have a popular podcast um yeah. i hope it's popular <laughs> <laughs> so do you think that from when you started when you i guess you kind of had to be on a network or something like that um do you think it's more beneficial now to be in this industry when you can kind of pave your own way with a podcast or something like that well it's interesting you know alex albrecht and i started our podcast the 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 original iteration of it the half hour happy hour um solely because we wanted to have another show together and we kept like looking for outlets to do that and nothing was sort of vibing and alex went well listen podcasts are kind of becoming a thing now we could always just record it in my garage and host it ourselves and just <laughs> see what happens because then it was like we we had uh Whenever you have those meetings and people are like, so what are you working on? We, we always could say we had this podcast. Mm -hmm. um, and we, we, we hosted it ourselves for the first almost six months of it. Um, and it wasn't until I had a meeting with Nerdist about something else, some other show. And I happened to mention in the meeting the podcast and Nerdist went, wait a minute, you and Alex Albrecht have a podcast together and it's not on our network? <laughs> and we were like, oh. And then once it got on a network, there was like – some legitimacy behind it. Right. Um, and, and that's, that's when I was like, Oh, there, there is this world of podcasting, which I think is great. And, and I do think it's a great platform for your voice. You know, I mean, this is probably fresh in my brain because I literally just watched a star is born yesterday. Oh, I need to see that. <laughs> but, um, it's, it's a wonderful movie, but, but Bradley Cooper makes a point. He's like, as an artist, he, he has this whole scene where he's like, everyone has talent. What's what makes you stand out is having a voice and having something to say. Mm -hmm. And, and I think that that's kind of important in this day and age. I think that's what social media has allowed us to do. Like those of us who are artists and who are in the, in the public realm, we can be seen for more than just the art. We're, we're, we're seen for more than just the character we're playing on the show mm -hmm. or, or the, the show we are hosting, we get to have our own personal voice out there with social media and with podcasts. And I think that makes people, uh, more relatable. I, I agree. Like that. Yeah. Do you think it maybe gives you getting people in a lot of trouble? With <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> you be the bad with the good. <laughs> Do you think doing something like that, opening up in, in sort of a personal way, maybe gives you a little more control with, your career? I think it can. Um, I still think it's something you need to be smart about. Mm -hmm. um, because I do feel like, you know, some sometimes if you're scrolling through Instagram or you're on Twitter and, and someone has posted something or said something and you're a little like, this is not, I, I, I still think like there's part of your personal lives that need to remain personal. Oh yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't think there's a, there's anything healthy in putting it all out there at, you know, I agree um, with that. Yeah. Cause, cause it also, we, we get into this, um, uh, what's the, uh, we, it's almost like public value validation becomes addictive, mm -hmm. you know, and, and everyone and, uses it in a different way. Like some people are like, this bad thing is happening to me on their Instagram. Exactly, and you're like, exactly, okay, exactly. And, and if you start, if you start putting too much of your personal self out there, you start getting used to having the public validated and that's not 
healthy for anyone's psyche. Yeah. You know? So I just, I, I like being able to have a, um, a direct contact with my fans and my followers, but I am very, uh, aware of what I am putting out there. Like yeah. I'm making sure everything I put out there is definitely me, but there's, I'm, I don't know if there's ever going to be a point where I'm putting all of me out there because I just don't know if that's safe for anyone to do. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. Sometimes I struggle with that. Social media is hard because sometimes I'll struggle with being like, I don't know if like, why am I, why all the way am I posting this? Like I've, I've gotten to the point where I'm like, I don't even know if I want to post something unless it's like promoting something that I, you know, my work. Yes. Because I'm like, yeah. yeah, why, it, why am I doing this? Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't know. Is it something with me? Like, yeah, it's weird. I, mean, I, I understand why there are celebrities out there who don't get on social media mm-hmm. at all. Yeah. This is a question I obviously want to ask you. Um, okay. What <laughs> would be your biggest piece of advice for an aspiring host or actor? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, one of the greatest things that ever was said to me was from one of my professors at Boston college. And he said, if you can picture yourself doing anything else with your life, do that. Because the only reason you're going to, you're going to succeed at being in this industry is if it's literally the only thing that you can do. Mm -hmm. And And that sounds kind of like callous in a way, but the longer I've been out here, the more I understand it. And it's because when you go through the times where it seems like nothing is coming your way and you are never going to work. And guess what? You go through those times multiple times. It doesn't matter. Take it from someone who was on a hit network show. (laughs) (laughs) I still went through times after that where I'm like, I'm never going to work again. I'm done. But the the only reason that you do get work again is because you haven't left. Yeah. Because you know, it's, I just have to have faith that it's going to happen again. Mm -hmm. Um, and it always does, but that doesn't change the fact that when it's not happening, it's really hard. Yeah. It's really hard. And you have to deal a lot with, um, you know, your family and, and people you grew up with not really understanding why you have chosen to do this with your life, you know, why you can't hit the benchmarks that most people hit in their lives by like, well, by this stage, you should have a mortgage and you should have a, you know, IRA. And that's those sort of like weird, uh, financial benchmarks that, that we put on our lives just as like a a way to deem success Mm -hmm. or something like that. Cause that's not, that's not how this business works at all. But you know, I have times where I'm like, listen, as long as I am paying my bills and I am not miserable, I'm successful. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's uh, true. I yeah. can, I can totally, I, I think I can relate to that in a way. Um, I feel like that is, that's such good advice. I don't think that if anyone is, has any, uh, or passion for doing anything else with their life, I feel like they just, maybe give up because it is hard to not be in uh in something that's you know for sure is consistent I guess it's not you're committed to doing this but it's not like it's committing back it's not always gonna work out I mean legitimately until you hit like George Clooney Brad Pitt status you you never know when your next job is coming (laughs) yeah yeah 
have been series regulars on a show that lasted seven years and they come off and they don't get work for a year and a half and you just never, you never know. Yeah. Oh yeah. So you, you did, um, go to school for this though. So when was it that you, you knew that you wanted to do this? It was early? Uh, yeah. Well, so, so I grew up, I'm like, where does this story start? (laughs) (laughs) What is my origin story? Um, I grew up in a house of music, basically. Both my parents were musicians. They're not not professionally, but mm-hmm. that was like their their passion and their love. So there was just always a lot of music around the house, a lot of singing, and that got me into doing musicals. I was always like a singer, and I was like, oh, I love singing. And <laughs> and once I did my first musical, which is when I was in eighth grade, I was like, oh, I actually really like the acting part of this. I want to explore that more. And so when I got into high school, I auditioned for all the plays in our high school. I joined a community theater group um, and uh, and it just was really fulfilling to me. Yeah. And at the same time, I was a really good student, especially in like the sciences and maths. Um, I was I was a straight A student. So when it came time to choose uh, a college to go to, like to go through all college applications, I started applying to schools both for theater and for chemistry. Oh, wow. Thing in that because I was like, I don't really know. Like, I, I, I understand that I love doing this performing, but I also understand that I'm really good at, at chemistry. Mm-hmm. And it was my AP chem teacher. Uh, no, I'm sorry. He was my AP physics teacher, actually. Um, this was during my junior year. Uh, cause he came up to me after class one day and he asked how, how college applications were going. And I was like, good. I was like, I'm applying to this school for this, but this school for this and the yada, yada, yada. And he's the one who looked at me and he was like, Allison, you're one of my best students, but you love doing the plays. He's like, <laughs> you need to go do that. And I was like, oh, well, if my science teacher yeah. tells me, <laughs> To get into acting, maybe I should listen to that. Like he clearly saw something in me. Right. Then. Sage. Sage yeah. advice. And so that's that's when I decided to become a theater major. And of course, my dear sweet father is like, "Fine, you can go be a theater major. Just get a like a have a minor in something else." You know, he was always like, "Have something to fall back on." Yeah. Get a, I never did. <laughs> <laughs> I, I tried. <laughs> I tried three different minors while I was at school and just none of them stuck. It was like, yeah, I, I was always just good in class, which is fine, but none of them, no, nothing gave me the kind of fulfillment that acting did. Yeah. And yeah. So that's, that's how it all started. That's funny. <laughs> did you have pushback from your parents at the time? Were they like, what are you doing? Uh, my parents, God bless them, are, they just want me to be happy. Yeah. They understand that. Um, I mean, but that being said, there are times when I still like my father's still like, well, what if you pivoted into this? Like, my thirties now. You need to understand that this is the life I'm living, right? And I know he, he means it out of love, and he just wants me to be okay, and he wants me to be, you know, stable and taken care of. Um, but it, it, I don't know if it ever goes. I could win an Oscar, and I still think my dad would be like, okay, but what about your retirement plan? <laughs> He comes from the world of business. He's yeah. A That's how his brain works. We're just wired differently. Yeah. And it's yeah. just the generation, I feel like, maybe. Yeah, that too. 
You know, the, our parents were children of people who went through the Great Depression. So they were all taught, like, what you need to do is make money and save money. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. I'm going to swing back to the podcast. Um, You talked about how it started. What do you think makes a successful podcast? Oh, gosh. I don't know if I have any idea because I still don't even know if our podcast is successful. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, I think you kind of have to learn that a podcast needs to be done because you want to do it, not because you think you're going to make money from it. Mm hmm. Um, I think there are very few podcasts out there that people actually make a significant amount of money from. Mine is not one of them, (laughs) (laughs) but I do it every week because I love doing it, you know, not not because I think, oh, you know what? This week is the week that, uh, MailChimp is finally going to (laughs) sponsor (laughs) us. Then we're done, you know? Um, it's, I think your podcast is successful if you enjoy doing it and you're getting feedback from people who relate to it. You know, honestly, that's that's kind of the greatest gift that that my podcast has given me is the the listeners who write in and tell us that one of the stories we brought up or one of our own personal stories that we brought up really related to them or actually helped them solve a problem. Like I actually, this is about two years ago, I talked about how I went through um, identity theft. Oh. And, you know, had my had my credit line stolen, like had all these credit cards opened in my name it, and all this kind of it was. A, but because I had uh, credit monitoring through a website called protectmyid.com, highly recommend it. I'm just going to plug it right now. <laughs> I had credit monitoring. I caught it, it as soon as this was happening and was able to put a stop to all this. And it's all been resolved and it's totally fine. And like, thankfully, I never actually lost any money from it. It was all just like my credit score getting dinged and things like that. Um, But because I shared that story, multiple people wrote in and they were like, I just signed up for this and realized there are two credit cards open in my name that aren't mine. Like, I actually helped people. Oh, wow. And that's not the point of our podcast at all. Like, it's kind of... Called the half hour happy hour we have a drink and we bullshit for 30 minutes that's really it but if it's actually benefiting people out there then that makes me feel like it's a success yeah I think that's true I feel like it's just feeling like you're it sounds like you just feel like you're a part of someone's conversation like you you genuinely feel like you're there and yeah well I really appreciate you coming on and talking to us and um I don't know just giving your yeah your origin story really <laughs> Um, funny. That's what it is, right? Yeah. The Spider-Man's, but uh, it's it's up there. Yeah, it's pretty <laughs> sick. <laughs> um, if you want to plug anything before you go, uh, well, speaking of podcasts, my podcast just got a bit of a uh, a facelift, I guess you could say. <laughs> uh, Alex Albrecht, my original co-host, had to leave at the end of this past year. And so we've done our own spinoff. It's now called the Half Hour Happy Hour Ladies Night. Oh. And it's hosted by myself and Maud Garrett. Uh, and we still have our wonderful sidekick, uh, Tom Krajewski. And same show, just with, with a bit more uh, estrogen. <laughs> better. Same show, but better. And, yeah. And we're now on the Starburns Audio Network. Um, and there's they, they do a really good job of uh, cultivating good comedy podcast. So I highly recommend checking them out and all the shows that they have to offer. Sweet. 
Thank you so much for coming on. You're killing it. You have been killing it. I really appreciate it. I really do. It I, it means the world to me uh, just to talk to somebody like you that has has uh, been through it and, and really like made a name for yourself. Hey, then you know what? That's successful. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. This is wonderful. Thanks. <laughs>